0: I love, the, um, I love the old Christmas hymns, how they paint a picture for us, don't you? It came upon a midnight clear, that glorious song of old. It kind of paints the pictures of the, uh, the shepherds in the fields and the, the starry sky and the blast of the, the angels, the surprise arrival of these angels. Uh, a couple years ago, Joe actually um, was playing the song, and that's, that's his arrangement, and he wrote the words that are kind of in the middle. He didn't write the actual Christmas carol because that would make him really old. But um, that's, that's his arrangement, which I'm so thankful for Joe and how he takes things like that and moves it, yeah, and adds little pieces here and there. We just have a great um, group of gifted people. Um, if you missed the intro song, some of you missed the intro song, Sean playing guitar. It was unbelievable. Anyway, the year was 1863. And our, our country was divided bitterly in a war, the Civil War. And there was a, a family whose son wanted to, to, to fight for the Union Army. But the parents desperately wanted the son to stay home. Now, those of you with kids understand this, right? The son snuck out of the house, and went and enrolled in the army, without his parents knowing, kind of disappeared from the house. For months, they didn't hear anything, wondering where their son would be, and he had joined a, a troop and had joined the fighting. And on Christmas Eve of 1863, the mom and the dad received a letter that their son had been wounded in battle being separated by all the miles, not knowing what to do. Obviously, the world was a different place. I hear there were no cell phones. They couldn't connect with him. The father was a poet, so he sat down and started writing some words, trying to express what he felt in those moments, hearing his young son might lose his life because of the war. And this is what he wrote. Some of you will remember this poem. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, Their old familiar carols play. Wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks that song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Have you ever felt that way? There's no peace on earth. But he kept writing. He knew the story wasn't yet done. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. Of peace on earth, goodwill to men. He wrote these words. Uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow penned these words thinking of his son. If you go and read the entire poem, it's a long poem but speaks of the divisiveness of the Civil War. And I don't think it's that big of a stretch for us to understand that kind of division. Now, we don't see the the actual war in our backyards, but all you have to do is turn on the TV, and it's not long before you hear about war and death and fighting. He penned these words saying, I am not sure I can believe that the God of peace is actually here. Maybe you would say that this Christmas. And maybe it doesn't have to do with the world, but maybe it has to do with your world, something going on in your life. Uh, Paul, one of the very first Christians, penned these words. He said, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. In other words, Jesus, who Jesus is in our world, he he is the, the, the visible image of the God that you will never see. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God sounds like, if you want to know what God thinks, listen to Jesus. Read the teachings of Jesus, and you will find a picture of your heavenly Father. If you feel disconnected from God, if you feel as though God is someone you can't understand, look to Jesus. Jesus makes very clear who God is Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, and over the last number of weeks, we've been looking specifically at the names given to Jesus by Isaiah, a prophet who wrote hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. And, and this is what Isaiah says. He begins with this concept that, that Jesus was this light in the darkness. The people who walk in darkness will see this great light, that, that people who, who have been overcome by the chaos and darkness of the world, there, there will be a light that comes for those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. This is Jesus. And then these words that are familiar to us maybe at Christmas time. and I was hoping we would memorize them. Maybe you have. It's not going to be a test, I promise. Uh, but here it is. For unto us, right? A child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. And then he will be called. Now remember, this is hundreds of years before Jesus even shows up. This is, this is who God is. This is what the son will be called, this baby. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and he will be called the Prince of Peace. If you want to know what God is like, God is a counselor. A a counselor who has more wisdom than you can ever imagine. A God who sees your life from beginning to end and has a perspective that would be extremely helpful to you. You want to know what God is like? He's mighty. He's the one who created the world in which we live. The beauty of the mountains, the sunrises, the sunsets, the power of the oceans. God holds these things in his hand. You want to know what God is like? You find a picture in Jesus. He is the everlasting Father. Now, if you missed last week, it was a brilliant sermon. Some of you are like, that's a little cocky, Matt. I didn't preach. It was Don Doe. And um, Don Doe painted this unbelievable picture of this everlasting father, the, the kind of father that when, when you turn and you run from him, you take his money and you blow it you live your life with wild parties he's the kind of everlasting father who never gives up on you the kind of everlasting father who's waiting for you to come home and when you arrive at home it's not about pointing his finger at you saying where have you been and what have you done but rather of a father who picks you up who embraces you and who throws a party now that's that's the good news of christmas and you can smile why are you downcast smile it's good news No, literally, smile, don't. (laughs) Turn the frown upside down. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Even when it feels as though your life is in chaos, he's the Prince of Peace. Now, this concept of peace, uh, you know, if, if you think about peace like I do, and hopefully you don't, because my mind is crazy. I think about peace. Like, my brother, um, when, when he was in middle school, high school, he started wearing these T-shirts with the peace sign on them. Remember this? All we are saying is give peace a chance. Some of you remember that. Um, I, that's the kind of peace that I think of. I think of, um, this sounds strange, but uh, Miss America, you know, they ask Miss America. Some of you are like, what in the world? <laughs> what, if, you could, if you could have anything, what would you have? World peace. See, you remember world peace. You know, Miss America, I, I want world peace. What is, what is peace? Well, in that mindset, in that thought, peace is simply the absence of conflict. Peace is a world where there is no war. There is no dying. There is no killing. There's no hatred. That's peace. But the biblical understanding of peace is much deeper it's much, much broader than just simply the absence of conflict. Uh, the Hebrew word here is shalom. Can you say shalom? Shalom. shalom. Peace is shalom. Uh, shalom really is first experienced in the Garden of Eden. God creates Adam and Eve, and he gives them this world to explore and to take care of. And there was shalom. Adam and Eve were both naked, and they felt no shame. That woke some of you up. Um, There was shalom. There was relational harmony. They had no shame amongst themselves, and they had no shame before God. They were an open book between each other and with God. There was shalom. There was peace. Now, humanity turned and walked away from God and broke the shalom that existed, broke the peace that existed. We are the ones who break peace with God. We are the ones who break peace with each other. Now, we often like to point at other people like, no, 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 they are the ones, Matt, They're the ones who disrupt the unity in our world. They're the ones who disrupt peace. It's not me. It's not us, whoever us may be. It's them. No, no, no. We are the ones. We're the ones who break peace. And so God, wanting to bring shalom, sends Jesus and says, this is the one who will give you a picture of what peace is really like. Peace is about wholeness, rightness within ourselves, with one another, and with God. This is the biblical understanding of peace, of shalom. Uh, Paul, like I said, one of the first Christians, is trying to, to, to communicate what this means. And, and there's some theological things here. And so what I want to do in the next few minutes is I want to read this passage of Scripture that Paul wrote, trying to explain this idea of peace, this concept of peace. And then I want to look at the three dimensions that like interact with our daily lives. So I'm going to get there. But it's going to take me a minute. Are you ready? Will you go with me? Some of you are like, yes, some of you will check out. Okay, I'll call you back in a few minutes, those of you who have checked out. Here we go. This is what Paul writes. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Now think about this. Christ, in some ways, as this little baby in a manger that we look at at Christmas, he has been the one who has in some way brought peace to us, which seems bizarre. So Paul said, let me tell you what this means. He, Jesus, united the Jews and the Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Now, there's a lot of theological language in there, right? But what he's saying, what Paul is writing and trying to communicate to us is there is no longer an us and them in our world. There's no longer uh, this side of the table and that side of the table that Jesus, when he came and through his actions, destroyed the walls of hostility so that we would be one people, so that we would all be children of God. Now, in the ancient world, there were two kinds of people. This is their mindset. There were two kinds of people. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. I remember my father-in-law once told me, Matt, there's two kinds of people in this world. There's winners and there's the other people, right? That has nothing to do with this. Paul is saying there used to be two kinds of people in this world. There's those who have been born into the family and those who haven't. And there is a clear distinction between the two. Now this may seem disconnected from our world, but it's not. We think in this way all the time. We think all the time that we are the ones who are close and the others are far away. I'm right and they're wrong. I'm on the inside, they're on the outside. If only they could come to the inside like me. Have you ever thought that before? You're probably not going to admit it. It's okay. And Paul is saying, no, no, no. Jesus, when he came, he broke down that wall of hostility. It's no longer us and them. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people. One new people from these two separate groups. Now, this is hard for us. This is so hard for us. When, when we see the news and we see all the hatred and we see people from other places, other religions, it's so easy for us to put a wall up and say, this is us and that's them. But what Paul is saying is that because of Jesus, there is this new kind of peace that can be experienced if we all would just embrace that we are one people. We are one new people in Christ Jesus. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both of these groups. So we've all been reconciled to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. That that Jesus, through what he did, this idea of peace isn't just about all of us, but it's also about us and God. That this distance that once existed no longer exists. If you find yourself in a place feeling shame, if you find yourself in a place feeling as though God is at a distance and he has turned his back on you, in Christ Jesus, the message of Christmas is that he has come to make up the, dif- the, the distance between you and him. That there is no distance. There is no hostility there. That God fully embraces you and that message is made known in Christ. Now that is good news. That is what the gospel is all about that Jesus has come to bring peace to us, peace with each other and peace with God. He brought this good news, this gospel of peace, to both those who are far away from God, the Gentiles, and those who are close, the Jews, those who believe that they've been born into the family and those who feel like they'll never make it. And now all of us, here's the good news, all of us, all of us can come to the Father. Every single one of us can approach the Father in peace through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ brought to us. I love this passage of scripture. It's not normally like a, a Christmas passage. Some of you are like, aren't you going to talk about Mary and Joseph and there was a donkey, I think, and maybe three wise men and all that. But this, is, this explains it. Jesus is the Prince of Peace who brings this new kind of way to live, that breaks down all the hostility that we feel towards one another if only we'll embrace this new kind of humanity, if only we'll lean into this kind of way of being human. So here are the three different dimensions. And I think Paul spells these out pretty well in that passage. The first one is this, peace with God. Now, for many of us, um, we grew up in the church, and we, we grew up hearing this word that is salvation, salvation. I learned salvation. How many of you grew up in the church? How many people do we have that grew up in the church? Okay, so a bunch of us. You probably have heard the word salvation before. It means being saved. And I'm one who ch- tries to think about things. I-, I sometimes think too much. And so I think to myself, well, what am I being saved from? When I was in Sunday school, I was told you're being saved from hell. And my question was, well, what was, what, what's hell? Well, hell is this like a fire pit that you have to stay in and you can never get away from it. And so that was an easy decision for me. Yes, I wanna be saved. I wanna be saved from whatever that is because it does not sound like a fun place to be, right? But, but being saved and salvation is a much deeper concept than something in the future that we can't even understand. Being saved is being saved from ourselves. It's being saved from a world in which we can't hold everything together on our own. It's about trusting something much bigger and stronger than us. Salvation is not something that we can ever earn. It's not something we can ever live up to or attain on our own. Salvation is something that we must simply embrace and lean into. There is no more division. Right, last week when, when uh, Pastor Don was talking He was painting this picture of this son who comes back to the father thinking that he's going to have to work his way back into the good graces of the father, right? And a lot of us approach God that way. Like, I I got to do enough things. I've got to show up enough times. I got to write a check that's big enough. I got to memorize verses. I got to spend five minutes a day, or is it six now, in prayer. How many minutes a day can I make God happy? You can never make God happy. You can never make God happy. Um, this Christmas, you need to know, you're not enough. Aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) That's encouraging. You're not enough. You're not enough. And I'm not either. But it's true. You're not enough. You can't figure it out on your own. You can't get back to God on your own. You need Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to do something you can't do. That's what salvation is all about. And the only response is acceptance, embracing it, and fully trusting and leaning into Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished, what we can't accomplish. Maybe this year, that's the kind of peace you need. Embracing the fact that you're not enough and you never will be enough on your own. And trusting fully this baby in a manger. The second dimension of peace is peace with each other. It's, It's this we might call unity, which is really important to us here. We, we try not to get caught up in all the little things, but, but rather focus on the, the big things like Jesus. We, we, want, we want Jesus to bring us together, not to divide us. We want to understand fully what it means to be one people, not us and them. If I ask the question, how many of you would love to live in a world where people don't hate each other anymore? How many of you would say, yes, that's the kind of world? If I ask you the question, how many of you want to live in a home where there's no more arguing and bickering? How many of you would say, amen, that's Christmas? Yes. We want this kind of peace, peace with each other. It's about unity. It's about being in harmony with one another. Um, So I'll let you in on a little With me. I'm married. Most of you knew that. Um, Every now and then, uh, most of the time, I'm in a discussion with my wife, a disagreement with my wife, a fight with my wife, whatever you want to call it. Um, Not always, but most of the time, I'm right. And um, in my mind, this is my thought process. She's not in this service, so I can say that. Um, In my mind, this is my thought process. If only. Robin could understand my point of view, then we'll be in harmony with each other. If only she will understand the right thing, which I clearly possess in this situation, then all will be well in our home again. Peace never comes about by simply trying to have someone else understand your position and demanding that they stand on your side. Rather, Jesus teaches us that peace with one another comes about through compassion, through empathy, and through forgiveness. Now, in all honesty, my wife is usually right, and when I finally begin to understand this, we find some harmony. Unity and peace with one another takes work because it calls us to listen more than it does to speak, to understand someone else's perspective rather than demanding that someone else understands my perspective. And listen, the, the, the chaos in our world today, the racial division that we see so prevalent in our country only grows when we try to demand that our voice is heard. It only grows. Jesus gives us a model of this new kind of humanity. He stands before those who have accused him of something that he hasn't done, and he doesn't speak a word. He listens. He's willing to go to his own death, even though he's in the right. It's about this compassion for someone else. And maybe some of you today and this Christmas need to understand and, and, and lean into and embrace the prince of peace who could bring some healing to some broken relationships in your life. The third dimension, and for some of us, this is the most difficult, it's peace within ourselves. It's it's peace within who we are. And, And this might be understood as contentment. This is like elusive, isn't it? Contentment. Do any of you struggle with contentment? I mean, this is one of the hardest things in the world for us to fully embrace is this idea that we can have peace within ourselves, to be content if we'll just be humble and joyful. So many times we focus on what we don't have or what we we don't possess rather than what we have been blessed with. Sometimes it's just about a different perspective to help lead us to a place of peace within ourselves. And this is what Jesus brings us a new humanity, a new way of simply being okay with the fact that we're not okay and trusting him to bring about something we can't bring about on our own. I want to close with these questions. Um, and I want us just to think deeply this Christmas as we've been trying to lead up to Advent, to, to Christmas and to understanding who Jesus really is. Um, I want to ask us the question, um, this year and, and right now, where do I need peace? Where do you need peace? And maybe it's between you and God. Maybe there's just this distance that you feel like has been growing between you and God, and, and it's something that you desperately need is to lean into what he's provided in, in Jesus. Um, Maybe it's something with someone else. Maybe there's someone, when I talk about hostility and division, maybe you can write a name down right now. Maybe some of you are nudging the person sitting next to you. Not good. Don't do that. And maybe you need Jesus to bring you peace with someone that you love, but you've felt this division. Or maybe it's just within yourself. Maybe it. Maybe it's within yourself you have not been content and you have not had joy and as long as you can remember and you desperately need to know an internal peace not external not, not about what's going on around you but maybe it's just within you there's this war wave, raging Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God He is the one who brings peace and gives us an example of peace unlike anything we'll ever attain on our own. Look, you're not enough. I'm not enough. But He is. And so my prayer for you and my prayer for me this this Christmas is that we would approach the manger and that we would fully embrace all that God has given us in this child, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and now the Prince of Peace. As we close with a song today, um, we always give you space to respond however you feel led to respond, however the Spirit might be breathing into you. And so today, what we want to do, a little bit different, we're going to give you some some space and maybe you want to light a candle. Uh, Light represents God's presence. So maybe you want to light a candle and ask God's presence to be with you as we approach Christmas this week. Uh, maybe you want to come to this cross on my right, your left, and write something down. Maybe it's a person's name. Maybe it's a people group that you've just had this negative. Uh, maybe it's a fear. Maybe it's a misunderstanding. Maybe, maybe you just want to write a name, a, a group. or Maybe you just want to say, God, help me forgive this person. Just put it up on the cross as your way of kind of turning that over to God. On this side today, rather than put notes up on the cross um, there's going to be a couple of us just hanging out down here and maybe you just need prayer today maybe you just need someone to say a prayer of peace over you and if that's you I'm going to ask you just to make your way over here and there will be a couple of us hanging out and you don't have to say anything if you don't want to um, we'll just say a prayer of blessing prayer of peace over you if you want to tell us what's going on and we can pray specifically we'll do that as well whatever you need today we want to we say a prayer for you so let's stand together, and uh, Joe will lead us in this last song. Um, feel the freedom to move around the room as you need to. Father God, we, um, we thank you for your word. I thank you for specifically for these words of Paul, This kind of this theological writing that helps us to understand that in Jesus, we have peace with one another. If we'll embrace it. Uh, That in Jesus we have peace with you and and, and in Jesus we can have peace within ourselves too. God, in these moments I pray that you would just breathe your spirit into us. That you would fill our, our hearts and our minds with your wisdom, with your light. And I pray that we would fully embrace the peace that you've given us through Christ. Peace that is not like the world's peace. God, may our words and our song be pleasing in your sight in Jesus' name.